if you want to really t create something big and not just to to create a, um, something that that will last uh, not for a long time surround yourself by people that know how to look at the market with a fresh eye and to have innovative truly innovative ideas so that would be my advice In today's episode on the MedTech 101 podcast, I have a really exciting company based in Paris, France. And uh, I know most people might know Paris from, you know, the romantic movies we've seen. But uh, Paris happens to be coming up with a lot of technology. And today's company, AZ Med, is the first French company to get a CE mark for like an AI software in radiology, which I think is quite fascinating. And I'm, I'm honored to have the CEO on the podcast today, uh, Julian Vidal, uh, with me here. So yeah, welcome. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Julian. Thank you. Thank you, Rodney. And thank you for uh, having me. It's a real pleasure to exchange with you today. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, uh, I'm, I'm honored to have you here today. Uh, I mean, whilst I was doing some research on you, I, I, I saw that you got a business background and, uh, I even watched uh, a video on YouTube when you were doing uh, a pitch, uh, like five years ago, uh, for something called. I was a long time ago. Paris. Yes. Uh, and it was like six minutes and I was like, I watched it all. And in six minutes, I managed to get an idea of what you guys wanted to do. <laughs> Uh, but uh, just looking at that, uh, you know, moving from like, you know, your business background, you know, doing uh, that pitch, which is really good and other videos have done a lot. And to this point where you now like sort of like the CEO of um, AZ Mad, which is a software company essentially, but in, but to be more specific than that, it's a software that helps, you know, radiologists. Um, sort of like see or read x-ray scans because you'd be surprised by how many mistakes people can make when reading an x-ray so yeah do you just want to give us a background on how you've you went from business to running a software company from for healthcare yeah i don't know how much time you have but uh i can i can uh, tell you the story first of all thank you for having me really it's uh i told you before we started so i think it's a great initiative that you have uh, and it might sound like normal or like natural to you, but uh, I can assure you it's not. I mean, we, we sell our AI solutions now in uh, more than 40 countries and in all the five continents. And it's still like a huge part of our process to educate and to explain what we do with AI. So every time we see initiatives to learn about innovation in the medical field, uh, we find it very useful. So thank you for that, really. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad to, to share my, my journey with you. Uh, and most importantly, uh, AZMED journey. So I'm Julien. Um, I, I was born in, in France, as you said, uh, in the beautiful uh, city of Paris. And I, I completed all of uh, my studies there. Um, and after high school, uh, one of the, I think the defining aspects of my uh, education was a program called a prep school. Uh, I'm not sure you, you have the equivalent in, uh, in the UK. Uh, it's like a, a two year intensive course in uh, like a variety of uh, subjects, uh, like uh, mathematics, philosophy, or, uh, or languages. And basically it prepares students to enter the best business school in the country. So then I joined after those two years, a great business school. I started working in market finance. So, uh, nothing to do with healthcare. Um, but I, I really knew very fast that it was not my thing. Um, 
And it was, I think, during this time in, in market finance that the idea of entrepreneurship started to take root uh, in my mind. Uh, even if it was like just a, a feeling, I, I couldn't fully articulate uh, why it seems so compelling. But looking back now, I, I can't really recall exactly what I thought about entrepreneurship. It was just a, a vague feeling that uh, not pursuing it would lead to regrets. I think that would be the main thing that would come out. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and entrepreneurship was one thing and healthcare and the medical imaging world were another thing. Uh, and regarding my interest in healthcare and then later to create AZMED, it felt like uh, just a calling from the, from the beginning. It might sound like very cliche, but every single member of my family without any exception, like my parents, my siblings, cousins, aunts, uh, uncles, like everyone, they are all doctors uh, in, uh, in some form. So <laughs> radiologists, pediatric doctors, emergency physicians, dentists, like you name it. So, nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. No, that's, that's really interesting, really. And I think it's quite uh, nice how, even though you didn't study, uh, you know, uh, medicine, you're, you're surrounded by people who did it. And I always feel like, uh, you know, like if you grow up in a house of mechanical engineers, you end up knowing something about mechanical engineering if you don't study it because people are talking about it all the time around you. So I guess that gave you a good uh, background to this. And uh, and it's quite fascinating that you decided to, to pursue that. And I'm really happy you did because now you're adding, a, you've got a product that which we're going to be talking about shortly, but that is adding a huge value to the market. And uh, it's, it's, um, it's really fascinating to see that because I think it's a huge step for AI. I, I released, uh, I think, one of the first episodes that I did on the podcast, uh, an essay that I wrote by myself in terms of what AI means in to 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 med to med tech. It kind of covered briefly um, uh, what the potentials of AI, and I'm just now sitting here, you know, a few weeks later, listening to to you talk, and you got this product that's on the market now, and it's helping a lot of people. But then coming coming um, from that, um, would you want to talk about also like how you teamed up with you know Alexander and Dr. Ellie? Because I know it's like a little dream team there. You have you've got uh, in Alexander, who's the you know the chief technology officer. Uh, Dr. Ely, who's the chief medical officer, of course, and you. So it's like, it's a combination of a, a healthcare person, uh, sort of like the, the, the brains behind the, uh, the AI algorithms, you know, the, and, you know, for people who don't really know much about the AI algorithms as to how it works, I just recommend you to episode three, where I just talk the basics in terms of the definitions of what AI is. But, uh, Julian is free to also give us a short explanation. Uh, and then Julian. So like, how, how did you, how did you three meet and how did you guys get together? Yeah, so first of all, I think you're well informed, uh, but uh, that's uh, definitely uh, what you said. Uh, we were three at the beginning of this journey. Eli, best friend since 15 years, and Alex, another best friend of mine. So um, it all started with uh, Eli. Uh, we were in 2017. He was and he still is a medical doctor, and he spent most of his time at the emergencies in Paris. And when you are a medical resident um, in Paris, you have to switch hospitals every six months in Paris. So you discover very quickly a lot of uh, different ways of uh, practicing. Yes. And I mean, in each hospital, he basically witnessed that a lot of fractures and other critical conditions were uh, missed by well-respected doctors, very smart individuals. But it was due to 
just overwhelming work workloads. You had like a huge discrepancy on the, the demand and the number of images that were being produced and the number of people actually able to, to assess it. And it's particularly true for x-rays. If you make a, an x-ray at any public hospital in Europe, you would be very, very lucky if your x-ray is directly analyzed by um, a radiologist that which is specialized in your in the field that uh, we are looking for. Uh, most of the time it's analyzed by a resident or by a clinician, an emergency doctor who is not a medical imaging specialist and who has like plenty of other things to do and who probably has dozens and dozens of patients in the waiting room. So it's basically really started like that. Ellie joining his friends at night uh, after his uh, work at the hospital and just sharing how his day went. And on that particular day, he said, well, uh, I'm surprised. I mean, I work with super smart people. I work with very renowned doctors that everybody in the medical field respect a lot that I admire. But like we as a team are not enough to face the demand and it can lead to mistakes. So everything that you hear on a daily basis about how the, the hospitals and our emergency room cannot face the demand, he lived it for the first time, basically. So <laughs> that was really the trigger on that. And as you said, on the other side, you had Alex, uh, the tech guy. Uh, he worked on algorithms back then to detect bre breast cancer detection on mammals. And also before that, to, to he worked on cardiac MRI. So he knew how to build those algorithms and he adapted uh, this knowledge specifically for fracture detection. That was our very main focus. Um, and then my job was more to evaluate the potential from this friend conversation and this scientific project, this algorithm, to then create a sustainable product and uh, a viable company. Nice. Uh, so yeah, the five years, five years later, uh, here we are. So yeah. Well, no, that's that's really that's really impressive, really, because I feel like um, sometimes, you, like they say, necessity is the mother of all invention, and uh, sometimes you also need the right people around you, you know, like the right group of minds just to get something started. And uh, and it it seems like it worked out well. So right now, like how many people? How big is AZ Med right now? Because I looked online, it doesn't really tell as to how many people uh, work for you guys, but I'm sure it's quite it's grown quite a lot. Yeah, so for, uh, right now we are a 50 people company and we, and most importantly, we, we created nine algorithms, uh, which uh, are spread and used across a bit more than a thousand different locations. So hospitals, radiology centers, uh, clinics, and in 40 countries, mainly uh, in Europe, in America, like in the five continents, basically. So we, we had the chance to, to find a, a real uh, need in the market and to be able to to scale the, the product uh, really really fast yeah nice nice that's good and then like that sort of like leads me to like uh like my next question because i know it has grown a lot and sometimes people might not really actually understand what we're talking about but if i would ask you like in a very short format how would you say what is ai in radiography or in radiology what does AI mean in this space? That's a good question. Um, I, it can mean a lot of things. Most of the time, um, when you talk about AI in radiology or x-rays, it means 
using using computer vision or deep learning technologies to help any healthcare professionals reading a medical image to take the best out of the exam they are making. And taking the best means multiple things. It means first you can produce um, the best X-ray or medical imaging possible, meaning the cleanest possible with reduction of noises within the image. Uh, it ensures you that you have the best possible quality in the image. Uh, so AI can assess image quality in real time and flag the ones that may need to be retaken due to, I don't know, positioning errors or other issues. So that's even before you look at the image, having the best one possible. Then it can help you structure or optimize your workflow, optimize the way you diagnose a patient to treat them the best way possible. So it can sort, it can prioritize exams so that the radiologist focus first on the most urgent one or the, the, the abnormal exams first. Nice. Um, then obviously the thing you hear a lot is helping on clinical decision support. So it can detect, it can localize any abnormality on the exam. It can quantify, it can measure, it can characterize some lesions. It can compare it also with old ones or with previous exams to draw conclusions on the evolution of the, the lesion. And then last but not least, it can also save you a lot of time and save radiologists a lot of time uh, on writing the report. So once you analyze the image and you know what's within the image, uh, it can also write your report. Um, and once the, the algorithm, it's exactly like the human brain, once the algorithm has detected what's happening on the image, it turns it into a text and the radiologist has to confirm it or to improve the, the report if needed. But he doesn't start from nothing and he basically gains time. Nice, nice. And uh, just to add on to that, really, uh, because, uh, you know, like I did by medical engineering in university, and even though I've never really worked with x-rays, I spent a lot, a lot of time, you know, studying about them, how they work and everything. And there's been many w attempts that have been done to help, you know, radiologists be able to read these x-rays. And some of them include um, sort of like uh, some chemicals or medication people take to increase certain, um, you know, uh, resolutions of certain parts in your body to make them more visible. But just to add on as to what makes this technology quite special and quite exciting for me is because if, if, if I were to give you an example, uh, it's like if, if you've got a bone that's like maybe this pen, for instance, it's, it's like a long shaft. For some fractures that happen along the bone, just like parallel to the bone, those fractures can be almost impossible for radiologists to, to read because they're looking for a clean break or something. And sometimes you need something beyond the human eye to look at that and say, you know what, there's a fracture there. Because I know many people have been to the hospital saying, you know what, I think I, you know, I, I fractured my bone somewhere, there's pain. And they go to the hospital and they, they get told, you know, your x-ray is fine, just go back home. You know, it's, it's quite frustrating to be in that particular situation. And then this algorithm, this product you have is is um, is quite special in that sense. And and then this brings me next to my point regarding um, Ravolve, which is your product, which you um, basically are selling right now, which you got the uh, FDA approval, you know, CE approval. And by CE, it means basically being approved for the European Union, for those people who don't know, and FDA is for the US market. Um, what could you tell us about Ravolve as to uh, what makes it your wonder kid at the moment? 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, what I can tell you first is uh, the the example you you describe is is clearly uh, uh, one of the reasons why we, we started to do that. Uh, when you have like dozens and dozens of patients waiting and uh, hundreds of exams to analyze in a very short amount of time, sometimes you can see it on the image. Sometimes you cannot see the abnormality on the image. But in both cases, if you are in a rush, it, it's it's human to sometimes uh, miss it. So what it does, what Revol does basically is to detect the very large majority of the abnorm abnormalities you can see on an X-ray. Um, so the two main pillars is are that first it can detect any trauma, bone lesion on any part of the body. Uh, so any traumatic sign, whether it's a fracture or any other sign, it can detect it. It can detect it. Uh, and, and the second pillar is any lung or any cardiac abnormality that you can see on an X-ray. Um, so what it will do is that first it sorts and it prioritizes the exam, as we said before. This is what we call triage. So the doctor can focus first on, on what matters and on the abnormal cases. Because usually without the AI, doctors has um, the doctor can have work list with uh, hundreds of patients and they just uh, read every x-ray without any optimization and they don't know what they will look for. So AI can do this pre-work before. Um, and then it detects, it localizes, it characterizes the abnormality. So once the radiologist opens the image, uh, it doesn't show the image without anything and, uh, and the, the, the image where the radiologist has to look to every bone. It directly shows every finding of AI um, so that they can gain time and quality. And finally, also, as we said, it can already write a report for the radiologist to validate it or to modify it if they want to add more things. So the ROIs for healthcare providers can be extremely diverse depending on the country you are at, depending on the type of structure, the type of patient. You can compute the return on, on uh, investment in multiple ways. But every time you can highlight the, the same two things if you want to summarize it. First, it increases quality of care one way or another. With AI, doctors are increasing their diagnosis ability. Uh, we've made a, a part, we've made a lot of study, but the, the, we've made a, a particular study to obtain FDA in the US with uh, 21 university hospitals in Cleveland and in the region of Cleveland. And we compared the, the performances of 24 uh, radiologists uh, for the detection of fractures without our product first, and then with the, the help of Revolve for fracture detection. And on average, the 24 radiologists reduce their false negatives uh, by 67% thanks to Revolve. So it means that um, if you miss 100 fractures without the AI, you now miss two-thirds less uh, with the help of the, of the software. So that's the, the first uh, ROI that you, can, uh, that you can see a bit everywhere in different forms, but... Uh, it's always coming back to that. And the second thing is that it's optimizing the workflow. It's it speed up the process. Um, and that was also the case in this study. For example, we just computed the reading time. And in this study, they reduced the reading time by 27% while increasing their diagnosing capability. They, they, 
read images faster thanks to AI. So that's the two main ROI that you will be able to see. Well, that's, that's, that's really amazing, really. I think it brings me back to the idea of like, uh, uh, machines can work without getting tired, without, you know, needing a coffee break or a cigarette break. Uh, and, uh, and all of that comes into hand. And, uh, when, when we're working in these high paced environments, because even in the NHS, for instance, in the UK, there's a lot of, um, uh, long shifts, a lot of hours, and people feel like they're being overworked. Because this, the healthcare systems, um, they're quite overwhelmed, they're flooded, and sometimes you know all these decisions, whether it's making one part efficient, it 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 eventually adds on to making uh, the system better overall. Because by making it faster. It means probably less people have to stay in hospital. It probably means that you don't get the wrong diagnostic. You don't have to go there several times to the hospital before you get something. And all this adds up in, in a huge system. And it, it makes me wonder now as to just a quick question um, with, with, with your algorithm, because AI algorithms get better with more information. Would you, so would you say that Revolve is getting better every day as the data set it's learning from gets bigger and bigger? Definitely. Um, it may not be um, uh, an improvement as uh, what you have in mind if you don't know about AI, meaning uh, it's not live, it does not learn uh, every image it analyzes. Okay. But uh, what we do basically is, yes, we we gather images from all around the world. Um, we have more than 20 million images in our database now coming from more than 40 countries. The key is to have diversity in the images, to have any kind of uh, radiological structures, any kind of patients, any kind of uh, abnormality, to have the most representative database possible. Um, and then what you do, you, you cannot use it live and train your model live on the images <laughs> it produced because, yeah, because it's, as it's uh, medical data, the, um, it's, it's uh, a bit sensitive. And if you take two radiologists, you make them analyze a single image. Sometimes they will have different diagnosis, you know? So what we want to do to have the cleanest, uh, indication possible to train the algorithm on the, the best source possible of, uh, of data is that we have internal radiologists looking at the same images. So we have at least three radiologists per case to be sure that we take the, the ground truth on that. And then we feed the algorithm with that. So yes, it, it gets better obviously over time and, um, and it's, uh, huge to see the, the the progress it can make it's it's really impressive but it's not like uh, it's not growing every day as soon as it uh, reads <laughs> images okay it's uh but yes definitely it, uh, it progressed nice and to be honest uh, i like that approach i think it's better that approach because you, you're not just letting it run wild with information that's coming you, you you're feeding it information that's been confirmed by you know the three radiologists and that you know form part of az med right now and uh, yeah, that's actually better than running it live because some you don't want it to get the wrong information to learn from. Otherwise, it becomes a problem to try to unteach it something wrong it has learned. And that's the beauty of uh, of, um, of of what the, the the capabilities of this technology means for medtech. And uh, it, it then, like I know you already mentioned that uh, that now you guys are available in you know forty countries, and uh, you know you got FDA approval, you got CE marking. But I'm sure the question 
for people listening right now who don't have this, uh, you know, Ravo from, you know, AZ Mad is how much does it cost, uh, Jillian? Like, how do you guys factor in the cost for people? Is it an expensive piece of software? Is it like a subscription fee, like Netflix? How do people pay for this uh, particular software? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so those softwares, what we do and what you can see on the market, more generally speaking, right now is it's um, most of the time a, a subscription fee, whether it's monthly, annual, or pluriannual fee, um, and um, and it depends most of the time on the number of exams produced by a certain structure. But it's like a, a subscription fee, and it's a fixed fee, and it's always the same and uh, it's very hard at the beginning for healthcare institution to know the right price and to know if it worth it. That's the, the main, uh, the main challenge for AI companies right now. So what we do is we tell them to try it first. We can have all the clinical studies in the world. They have to try and to know it's best for their structures. So we spent a lot of time and we, we really invest a lot of resources on our own to be able to not only to install an AI product and then to let them uh, do on their own. We really um, are on every step of the process with them. And we are every way with them and we are being sure that they have a real return on investment um, and that they can, at the end of the trail, justify the price. Nice, nice. That's, that's really good. And I think... Um... It's, it's a good business model, especially for a new technology, because essentially what you're doing, you're teaching the markets about your product. Since it's such, it's so innovative and something brand new to the market that some people don't even think about it. So first you have to sort of like educate the market about letting them know what you have. And then you're taking, you have taken the approach uh, of, you know, the subscription fee, depending on the usage they, they're having, et cetera. So then I guess then you have um, customer support because I'm sure for some people, AI is still a big word. They're probably, you know, worried about the technology. Like how, how are you supporting people in different markets? Do you have people diff speaking different languages, different uh, procedures, manual guides? Like how are you guys tackling that sort of like fear of, AI essentially because I know some healthcare hospitals uh, uh, can be quite conservative in terms of what technology they bring. So how are you guys overcoming that fear uh, essentially? <laughs> that's a good question. And um, that's a good question also because I think now uh, specifically in the medical imaging space, uh, it's shifted and it's not fear anymore. Uh, three, four years ago, it could be fear to say, okay, maybe we will be replaced. Now, it's not the case at all. Like for radiologists today, no one is fearing about being replaced or not to control these type of technologies. Um, so that, that's one first good point uh, because the market is evolving. And then to be able to prove the value and to be sure that they can, because once you enter a new hospital to install your AI, it's the first time they use AI on medical imaging. So it's brand new. It will become a standard for them, but you need to make that happen. Um, so it involves many teams in the, in the company to be able that it becomes a success. Obviously, you have customer support to be sure that uh, the product is, uh, first of all, known by everyone, that every doctor in the hospital has been trained on AI. The more you know how it works, the better you will use it and you will, you will know one, when to use it and when you don't want to rely on it. So that's extremely important. 
Then you, you have medical teams also that speak the language, uh, the, the languages of the, of the countries to be able to assess the medical ROI. Uh, and then you have the tech teams, you have the ops, you have the dev teams, uh, to, to ensure that the product is working well all the time on every images that you have a turnaround time. Uh, below one minute to be sure that once the image is produced, AI is working uh, in in one in less than a minute on the on the results. So that once the radiologist opens the image, you already have the exam and they don't wait. That's the basis, but it should happen every time on every image. So you have all those teams on the company uh, which are gathered together to make it a success. On average, you have a ninety percent uh, conversion rate between. Uh, a trial and then a real long-term partnership nice. so it works and and really radiologists understand once they try it that it's it's <laughs> like they, they they can't get rid of it and uh, and it's our job to to make that the smoothest possible and to invest whatever it takes to to let that happen so yeah it's nice. definitely one of the, the key thing in our in our market in, in our company True. And just uh, just to add on that, just, you know, to, to give people more confidence who are listening to this for the first time, like how many people um, do you roughly know um, does, because I know you said you got 20 million scans, but do you know how many people use, uh, like use the software or how many patients does the software look at, let's say whether it's per month or per day uh, worldwide across all 40 countries? Do you have a rough idea of how many people are using it? Yeah, right now uh, you have 4 million patients which wow. uh, are analyzed by the, the software uh, per year. And obviously it's, uh, it's growing uh, every month. It's growing, but uh, it's, uh, it's a good milestone. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, 4 million patients worldwide, it's uh, something that we would never imagine uh, uh, from day one. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, that's, uh, and that's also, uh, that's also very, uh, very, uh, it's a good entry point to do it first on x-rays because yes. it's like the, the first exam that everyone is making once you go to the emergency. Um, most of the time, if you have like, uh, any pain of any kind, the first, like the most prescribed exam, uh, is x-ray before doing anything else. So it allowed us to enter a lot of different hospitals very fast and to, to have an impact very, very fast on the most patients possible. Nice. That's, that's really outstanding. And I know I just did a quick search right now. Uh, like 4 million people, that's more than the population of Paris. So it's like uh, everyone in ah. Paris essentially <laughs> using it. So I think that's a huge confidence boost for, for people listening to, to this right now. Like, you know, it's like 4 million people using it. And uh, talking about extending the market. Um, would you like to tell us about your partnership you did with uh, Simon Matt? Because I know uh, Simon Matt, they're based in the U.S., uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, they chose you guys, uh, I think, was it last year in December? So there's like fresh news. It's like less than two months old uh, to be sort of like um, uh, like their partner in terms of when it, when it comes to ex looking at x-rays. Like what does that partnership mean for you guys uh, going forward? Sure. Yeah. So uh, Simon Med is uh, a huge radiology group in the U.S. It's one of the, the largest outpatient radiology group in the in the United States. They own more than 200 uh, centers across uh, uh, the country, and they decided to use Revolve uh, a long time ago now, um, maybe 18 months ago, to to speed up their turnaround time. 
So the turnaround time is the time between the acquisition of the X-ray and the moment the result is communicated to the patient. Wow. So they assessed what they did basically is they assessed it. So they assessed the turnaround time during the first semester of 2022 without any AI, without Revol. And they did the same thing. They did the same assessment during the first semester of 2023. So exact same period with the, the help of uh, Revol. So the study was done on, in total on more than 300K images. It was a huge study. Uh, and the main thing they showed was that the turnaround time was divided by eight for positive fracture cases uh, with AI. So for them, it's it's clearly a, a game changer. It's, it changes everything in terms of patient care, in terms of how they would treat and follow the patient, how they, they, they can warn the patient once they are still in the room, in the, in the radiology center. They don't have to wait days to to tell them and to recall them. Um, they, they can make, they can make a, an additional exam right on the spot. It changes everything in, in terms of patient care. And that's uh, exactly what we, we want to, to promote and what we want to, how we want to change um, workflow and, and our healthcare institutions. Nice, nice. And that's good because to me, this sounds like more market leverage for you guys. And essentially, this is good for patients at the end of the day, because it's like you're getting more people pushing the same message. Get The echo gets louder and louder. And uh, and that's good. That's good stuff. And um, I'm excited to hear that. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know if you have any other partnerships that are in the pipeline. Maybe you can't tell us yet, but I'm sure with this uh, uh, technology and everything, it's, it's going to be growing um, a lot a lot more now, especially with this partnership. And I think we'll only start to see the results in the next coming months since it's still so new. Um, but uh, just just looking at that, um, do you think um, that also the partnerships you've done maybe with some unit, with some um, hospitals, whether it's in France or, you know, across the uh, other countries, uh, let's say the one you did, particularly in Cleveland, do you think that also has also helped you know, um, like Revolve, like getting much bigger or getting out there to the patients, just, just out of curiosity. Definitely. Uh, if you, if you start, uh, something in the medical space, um, and, uh, if you have like good advocates, uh, which are using your product and, and can, re, uh, can tell and, and can, uh, uh, tell you, uh, how much it bring you, uh, in term in terms of efficiency, in terms of quality or anything, definitely it helps a lot. It doesn't like you will not be able to to make sales or to be able to go through the market directly with that, but it gives you credibility and it's yes. key in uh, in this market. I think the the best marketing you can do is uh, uh, publishing papers, strong papers with uh, partners that have used your product and that has uh, uh, and and your if your product has a significant impact on on uh, on their workflow and it concerns also other peers then you're really likely to be to be successful. So anything that we can do in this space and any proof that we can gather is clearly uh, one step further for us to gain confidence, to gain credibility, and to, to show that uh, uh, we can really change the way patients are diagnosed. We can change the way radiologists are reading medical image. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's happening. I think we, we are in really good good path to, to do that. So we need to keep going, but uh, it's uh, it's really, really interesting to see how the this market, how AI is changing 
radiology and how it's re completely re revolutionizing the way medical imaging are being processed really that that's wow. really impressive nice that's really that's really impressive to hear as well for me because talking about you know going out there and doing more things i i, I also understand that you guys are also going to be attending the 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 there's a conference happening this month um and just for people listening this is february 2024 uh from the 28th of february until the 2nd of march i understand you guys are going to have a booth at the uh ECR, ecr which is basically you know um part of the european society of radiology uh so for those three days of four days or five days, I think, uh, I'm, I, I keep getting confused with February because, you know, it's, it's a leap year. So there's, it's a leap year today. So there's, uh, well, this year, um, there's, so there's 29 days in February. So from the 28th, 29th, 1st and 2nd of March, you guys are going to be in Vienna. And, um, like, what does that mean for you guys, you know, now being sort of like being given this platform to speak to more radiologists and, and uh, et cetera. What does this mean for you guys attending this? Uh, it's very simple. Um, every single radiologist who comes to ECR, so to, to the European Congress of Radiology, either they will use AI for x-rays very soon, or they, are, they already are, they already are using. So this is like a fact. This is happening, like AI is becoming a standard of care and AI for x-rays, whether it's for MSK x-rays, chest x-rays, is one of the main use cases. Um, yes. So our goal at ECR is to help them integrate AI the best way possible. Our goal is to make them uh, and to help them make the right choice, to guide them through this change and to be the, the right partner for them. Nice. And uh, and I think it's also quite good because for people listening right now, uh, if they're gonna be there, uh, I think it's a good question. It's a good chance to 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 meet uh, guys from AZ Med in, in in person, get to see what they have. Because I'm sure the booth they're gonna have a few examples of how the software is working. So to be a huge uh, interaction, it's 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 unfortunate that I won't be able to attend it. But I would, if I could, I would have loved to be there just to see what the software actually looks like, and you know, get to see how the people are in person. And, um, and actually, yeah. we we have a, a couple of congresses in in the UK, so, so nice. we we do it too. Yeah, we do it a couple of times in the year. So you have to come. <laughs> yes, I will. I will. If 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 it's in the UK, I'll try to 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 come. Uh, it'll be easier for me to do that. Uh, but um, then uh, sort of like looking at at the time, I know like you're busy and stuff. So I'm just gonna start asking you the last few uh, round of questions, but. Uh, like uh, I know, like uh, just in general, for people listening to you for the first time, to know like uh, the more personal side of you know Julian, uh, what would you say makes it interesting for you to work in you know in medtech? Because as you said, you could have stayed in finance. I'm sure, like like most of my friends who went to finance, they tell me about the bonuses they get every month, every year, and it's a lot more financially rewarding and everything. But you chose to come to medtech, so. What exactly makes it interesting for you to work in medtech? Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really vast subject. Um, first of all, the first thing that comes to my mind is that you work with really smart people. You work with AI researchers, with doctors, with like every interaction we you have uh, are usually with smart people that know what they are doing. So that that's really uh, challenging and it gets you better. It makes you better. And I think most 
like the, the main thing it's is sorry it's extremely satisfying to help uh, a doctor in this case like a radiologist on its core expertise that's the main thing for me like wh when uh, a radiologist with 30 years of experience tells you thank you for what you do you helped me save a patient you helped me deal with the 100 cases i had to review in 30 minutes like when someone tells you that I can tell you it's the best feeling in the world. I mean, you, you help uh, a doctor on where they are the best at. You, one, like you help them on where they focused their last 30 professional years. And it's not like you help them on their admin task. And don't get me wrong, like I have nothing against those companies. It's the opposite. Like they are great companies and they can become huge companies. But here you have an impact on their core medical expertise. So that's... I think extremely powerful and uh, and yeah and more generally when you innovate in uh, in medtech there's something telling you I am at the right place uh, even if you don't really know what, if what you do will work even if you have doubts or whatever uh, at the end of the day you can tell yourself okay uh, all those efforts all those sacrifices at least they would be done for the good. So here you, you don't have the problem to find a meaning, like a sense of uh, what you do. I think that may be a, a common point of uh, a lot of people uh, on, uh, for our generation specifically. Um, so I think that that's the main thing. And if I, uh, if I can think of one more, maybe also it's a, it's a really regulated market. Uh, and as all regulated markets, uh, what's interesting is that you have huge barriers to, to enter. And you have uh, to obtain multiple certifications in, in, in uh, our, our place. So when you want to change something on the product, it's not just you uh, that would change the product and you change, you test, and if it works, that's done. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the slightest change would require a full team to change all of your documentation and possibly to certify again your product. So it's very, it would be very complex. So as any particularity on any market, you have to be aware of it and you have to turn it into a strength. So here, the, the strength that you can have is that first, it forces you to have a vision. You cannot just go step by step without thinking big, thinking about the big picture, um, which is often a mistake, I think, made by a lot of startups. You have to think bigger from day one because you know it, any change uh, throughout the process would have an impact on, on your whole product. And, and second, you are way more structured and you, are, you have way more processes than any SaaS B2B startup in any other field. Uh, so if you can turn that into an advantage, you would be in this case able to scale way quicker because you would have all those processes, all this traceability and all this structure uh, from day one, uh, because it would have been required by uh, the regulatory bodies or the you know, or the CE, Marta, FDA, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. That's 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 a really good uh, answer. Uh, and uh, you know, one thing that you mentioned there, I think that's quite common with everyone who works in this uh, industry is just the amount of patients like you you, you reach out to. It's like every time you work in medtech and you do R and D chances are you're creating some new technology for the first time that has not been really seen by other people. So it's like you see how it's impacting people like in real time and it's kind of rewarding in that sense. But um, 
Yeah, just just to ask you now in terms of like um, like your thoughts on the future, and this is just a general question from what you've seen. What do you think the future holds uh, for us in terms of uh, like how how are, like how is AI going to be coming along, or in general, uh, like what what's your take on that? Um, very difficult question. Uh, yeah. One thing I can I can tell you is that AI will become a standard. It means in in healthcare and in medical imaging. Um, it means it will be everywhere and it will be transparent for me. Um, like it's not, AI is not a product by itself. Um, it's, it's, you really have to see it like uh, an engine uh, within a car. It's one component of a whole product. So, okay, it's like the, it may be the core of the product, uh, but it will be fully transparent and you, you will talk about AI, how you talk about computers today. It's just, uh, a mean is just a technology to help you achieve something, uh, not more, not less. That's all. So I think we are getting to that point. Um, and if you go deeper into medical imaging, I think it is uh, revolution. It's completely revolutionized. Uh, AI is a game changer for radiology specifically. We talked about it in the, uh, just before, but the the way they they would uh, have a look at images and they would uh, uh, now be able to be way more efficient focus on where they are the best at on where they can bring value would have nothing to do with uh, how they um, diagnose a patient today so i think if you're uh, a medical uh, student and you have to choose uh, what you want to do you, and if you like technologies and if you if you like to use technologies and to to adapt to that it's a fantastic space to 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 be in because uh, you would be at the forefront of how technologies and ai would be put in service of uh, healthcare basically nice nice now that's really good and that's uh, that's deep and uh, um as you're talking i'm just going to take this chance to ask you a few questions um in terms of the future of like AZ Med, because right now, from what I understand, you guys have uh, Revolve, which is particularly focused on bones, right? But then do you have something in mind coming up for soft tissue? Because for people listening out there, you can also use X-ray or the technology is still the same for looking at organs, you know, um, like soft tissue. I know that's gonna be a little bit more complex, but do you guys have something in the pipeline looking at soft tissue? Yes, yes, we do. Um, what we wanted to do first is to take the most common uh, type of uh, medical imaging that you could do, x-rays, to take the, the main needs from the radiologist and to tackle it one by one. That's what we did, more or less. Now the goal is to do exactly the same thing on other type of medical imaging and to take the main radiologist needs where they would need the, the most AI. Sometimes it doesn't mean it's the most difficult uh, abnormalities to find on the image. It just means they need it the most for any reason it could be. And the goal would be to tackle it and to represent the, their, their main partner uh, in terms of AI so that they would have their main partner to help them whatever they, they need it from and to be able to keep for them what they want also. 
Nice, nice. Now that's really good. Um, I'm really happy to hear that there's something coming in the pipeline for other uh, sort of a- X-rays that you know uh, that are used out there. And um, yeah, and the, just the very last question, Julian, for people listening right now, in terms of your business journey over the last five years, like what words of advice would you give? Would you say take it one step at a time, as you've been mentioning re- repeatedly, or would you say other things? Because yes. uh, I, I've been taking notes of some of the the, the good things you've been saying. I always do that with every uh, CEO that, that comes on the podcast. I always take the opportunity to to take something like a word of advice. And I've been adding all the things I've been learning from different people, uh, like in my okay, nice. notebook. So what, what would you tell people listening is one word of advice from Julian Vito? What would you say? I mean, to, if you if you want to start something in the, the healthcare space, um, the, the, the best advice I think I can give you based on my experience is don't think too much about how it's being done currently and genuinely and almost naively look at what you think would be the best way to change a certain thing that you would want to spend the life five, the, the next five or 10 years. Um, because those markets such as healthcare, they are, so much uh, driven by old habits and by habits that don't don't make any sense now that if you want to create something and to truly innovate you have to come with a fresh eye you have to come with a new eye that would be almost naively uh, convinced that you can change it when everyone is telling you that they are just used to do it one way and they don't have any any reason to do it another way. So yeah, my best advice is listen to yourself truly and don't at the beginning, it's, it's a bit, uh, I think companies would succeed like that, but my advice would be don't gather yourself and don't, don't uh, uh, recruit people from the industry first. Um, if you want to really t- create something big and not just to, cr- to create uh, um, something that, that will last uh, not for a long time, surround yourself by people that know how to look at the market with a fresh eye and to have innovative, truly innovative ideas. So that would be my advice. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's it uh, for, for this episode, uh, Julian. I really appreciate the time you've taken to, to come on the podcast. I'm going to be adding, you know, links below some videos uh, on this um, podcast. So if those people are listening to this on audio, if you want to go on the YouTube channel, there'll be more visuals from AZMAT to see what it's like uh, and everything that they have. But uh, And I'll be adding your contact details. I think I know I, I, I saw your LinkedIn, Julian. Uh, I'll just put the link below as well and other contact information that people might were interested can just, you know, look at and read more information. But there's plenty of articles I've read. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Rodney. Thank you very much.